on this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I try to mail it in. No, we're not mailing it in. This is not a mail it in podcast. We're actually trying to create great contents during August. Just because you got a poor review, Rob Pizzola, doesn't mean we can get the same poor review also. Uh, we ask and answer a lot of interesting questions. We talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup and we do a rehash of Bet Bath. So, with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage is sports Welcome gambling. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast. It's the post Bet Bash Bet the Process podcast. That was a. It seems like that was a wonderful kumbaya moment for the industry which is in itself like a very interesting thing so i'd love to hear i mean i know that you were drinking the kool-aid and loving it so from your perspective um i guess what was the most exciting what was the highlight of bet bash for you i think the highlight was the sports gambling hall of fame induction ceremony the dinner which was it was really really well done it was thoughtfully produced that you had video content um, about each of the inductees. You even had Spanky finding distant relatives of some of the deceased inductees and and they flew there for it. And so there was a lot of there was a lot of emotion. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of emotion and, and time went into into it and it felt like completely a a very, very classy um very classy evening. And I think this is going to be something that has staying power. And so I, I was really impressed by that. Just, just the sheer amount of work that had to go into it to, 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 for it all to come together like that was, was really impressive. I mean, I think it's clear that Spanky deserves to take a victory lap for the work and effort that he put into this. And, you know, everything certainly on Twitter has been positive the only the only negative is this whole atmosphere model thing which is kind of both like ridiculous and funny but also it does it does uh highlight what i would consider to be like a challenging thing with an industry that is so male dominated and like how do you actually create you know like i don't know i i what what did you have any take on that or was there any anything there that that you saw that was that strange no. I mean, it, it was a little strange because you had all these, I mean, you had all these people that you don't get to talk to very often, um, people at the top of the industry. And and so I think that essentially spending time with the atmosphere models is kind of wasting an opportunity you have there, right? Would you rather be talking to Jelko or an atmosphere model? I don't even know what an atmosphere model is. Like, I just... I don't the I can't fact, even believe the fact a, that they're called atmosphere. A, I can't believe it's a thing, but I like I kind of understand why it's a thing, but like I can't. It's look, it's, I also don't think I don't think I'm the best person to sort of pass judgment on it. I think the fact that some of the women who were there as attendees felt uncomfortable by it. Um, I think that is more important and and those they should be more listened to, I think, than you know, than someone like me. Yeah, maybe we'll have Gina on at some point again, just to have her on, anyways, because she's amazing. Uh, but it would be good to have her on. Um, I, 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 you know, again, I think you're right. Like, it's not our place to comment one way or the other. But I think, again, the challenging thing is is probably for sports betting. Um, you you really want to make as welcoming a, a atmosphere as you can for all people, and so anything you do that doesn't do that is probably challenging but anyways that's probably well, one thing uh, one thing you know how so sports betting is very much a white male dominated field mm -hmm. um spanky's team is the most diverse set of people i've seen in the industry it's i would say it's almost half female about maybe i think more than half people of color like it's it's kind of a breath of fresh air in this industry that's great and that's his yeah. trading team that's his trading team. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I mean, he said he just hires the best people. And I think he, I think he also doesn't hire people necessarily from the sports betting industry, which I think is probably also a very good move on his part. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, 
what but, about the so, wait so, so you asked what the highlight was the highlight was the induction ceremony i think i didn't go to a lot of the other things i mean i th- there was this welcome reception at bar canada for three hours um from six to nine i think that was tuesday and i was there for the last five minutes of it to register um, and then the next day I was there, there was a similar thing. I was there for a half hour, but I think it was more of the informal meetings and, you know, everybody's just around that area. And so I had a lot of conversations with people. Um, and I think that just having, it, it's kind of like Sloan, right? It's Sloan. It isn't about going to the panels as much, except the ones that Jeff hosts, but it's, it, although actually I'll say the panels at Bed Bash were actually really, really good. They're just, that the thing is that's just one day out of that's what five hours out of a conference that's four days but it's not i don't think that is the most important thing i think it's just getting all these people together in one place and and all the off schedule conversations that happen and just you know i basically saw all our friends we normally see it at sloan every year plus you know, this whole other side of, of the industry, um, all these people that, that I only know from Vegas, you know, and, and non-Sloan people. So I think just bringing everybody together is just, is great. And I think, you know, I can't, can't commend Spanky more. What about this Darren Ravel, Rob Pizzola panel, like in full disclosure, there was a moment where we thought, Darren Ravel was going to be coming on to this podcast this week and then um, ended up, you know, declining an invitation to come on. What was described to me in that panel? I saw you kind of like live tweeting it. Um, it was the the gist of it was about uh, Twitter and social media and sports betting and why can't we all get along? And then it turned into a bit of a, just a shouting match and argument between Darren Ravel and, and Rob Pozzola, right? It, it was better than just a shouting match. There, there was a brief period of time where everybody was trying to say something at once. And I, it, it kind of reminded me, Jeff, of that panel that you moderated at Sloan. It was maybe full 10 years ago with Matthew Holt and Haralabob, where, you know, you just had two guys going at it. And, and that was... And there was no holds barred and I'll give Rob credit. Like he was, you know, he, he didn't back down, but then afterwards he said he, he, he showed it wasn't personal. He said that he appreciated Darren coming on there and, and sort of stepping into, into the lines then, so to speak. But I thought it was, it was a fantastic panel and and the Billy Walters interview had kind of run a little short. So uh, this was able to run long and went almost an hour and a half, even though it was scheduled to only go a half an hour. And I think credit to to Sam, uh, Sammy P, who was moderating it, to kind of um, step out of the way when you know when when things kind of got going, just kind of let things let things happen. So what, what what was the gist of the argument? I mean, for people the, like the gist this, of the this wasn't live streamed, so we yeah. can't watch it, and we we just have to listen to what people retell. But what was the gist of the argument? So so the gist of the argument, I would say, was Rob calling out. Uh, Darren and sports betting media in general for in essence promoting um danger promoting i will say gambling reckless behaviors. behavior Gamb- yeah, reckless, reckless behavior. Rest, right he, he, rob's argument is that media the gambling media has an obligation to be more transparent and to essentially not promote um like products that are extremely addictive and are going to have a detrimental impact to pe- on people's lives. And so it was, so a, like it was, the, it was about the, the responsibility that the media has. The examples of this are like Parlay Pats. Yes. Or Parlay like Parlay Pats was, explain that one. Well, that's that's why I got blocked by Darren. But although he unblocked me, I went up and talked to him after the panel. Did you um, watch him like, physically unblock you at that moment? He like, uh, Yeah, he literally did. Yeah, He was like, like, let Darren. me pull you up. <laughs> that's, that really does sound like Darren. It, uh, so Parlay uh, Pats was this guy that I think he was a 21 or 22 year old kid who had, who won a bunch of big parlays. I think he was like betting $30,000 on things to win like 200,000 and Darren kind of covered, covered these results. And obviously we only saw the winning parlays. We didn't see the losing ones. And later on, um, and, and I kind of, I think a lot of people pushed back on him for essentially glorifying this sort of reckless behavior. 
which and, and the reckless behavior was just doing a bunch of parlays that yeah, are correlated very big money parlays and and in essence glorifying it like yeah this guy making it seem like he didn't say this guy is a winner but the way he wrote about it certainly implied that this guy was a winner and if you didn't know any better if you didn't if you weren't in the industry you would probably think oh this guy is very good at what he's doing later on uh he got i think charged with um i think he was threatening athletes some professional athletes on social media and he was it, it did not end well for him but that's that's not necessarily darren's fault right i mean obviously no. like darren could have researched more i think i think one of the I agree with that. macro themes on internet uh reporting is that journalism has generally become lazy right like you and this is everyone like you know like you find something on social media and you claim okay now this is fact and like where how do you establish fact and then how do you establish background and all that kind of stuff so i think journalism is generally lazy and i don't think that's just sports betting um what else did, was was he taking a task for? I mean, obviously he has in the past done like a lot on the mattress Mac kind of stuff. And, you know, like what, I mean, again, like I'm curious what Rob was harping on as Rob runs, you know, the hammer, which is another, you know, content company trying to sell gambling information is his glass house. So like uh okay. impenetrable that he can throw stones or what's going on there so he harped on the the whole bet percentage thing the way the action network covers these bet percentages i.e 70 percent of people of bets have come in on this side or 80 percent of the money's come in on this side and so the, he, the sort of classic the classic like smart money bet yeah. percentages number of bets versus number of dollars all that kind of stuff that that um that media companies let's not pick on the action network but some media right. companies it's not just the action network use as a uh as content that they believe has some predictive power right and and this is where i feel like I, i'm like i agree with rob that clearly it doesn't have any predictive power but what is at the same time you do it, well an equivalent would be I don't know, was it the Stardust or I think it might have been the Stardust that started putting out sheets with with betting information, statistics on teams. This was back in the the old days of sports of sports betting, I guess the 70s, 80s, but where you could see a team's record and their last five against the spread and all that. And it just gave somebody gave better something to look at. And of course, none of that stuff is actually, you know, that's going to be priced into the line. Um, but when I was first starting to to go to Vegas and to to bet a little bit. I I used to get the gold sheet. Do you remember the gold sheet? Like the the I think it still the, exists. But it was it was like literally this awesome like little pamphlet of paper you could buy in a in a gift shop, and it always had like ridiculous trends. And of course, I I was you know twenty one and didn't really like have any idea of any of this stuff. And so I thought it was like pretty cool content. And so like I think like if you believe that those bet percentages are just quote unquote content the problem is again and, and there was an interesting tweet about this it's like how much do we as an industry uh and, and maybe it's just like you and i right like maybe we can only speak for you and i how much do we how much responsibility do we have to protect betters like the recreational better from like media that's trying to generate a narrative or content that attracts eyeballs that makes them sell more ads and makes them get more referral fees and whatnot, right? Like that's what they're doing. That's not necessarily what we're doing. Maybe. I mean, we're trying to create content that makes people interested and in listen to our podcast. So we're probably living in a somewhat class house also. Right. And I think Ravel was saying, I mean, that obviously he has no legal obligation to, to protect people or anything like that, but he needs to put out content. And I think at one point he but said, that's like a you, BS what, answer, right? Of course it is. But what the legal, like, legal well, thing is like, I don't a think BS he answer, said the right? legal thing, but I think that is true. And and so he's, you know, he's part of a company that's trying to make money. And they, he, at one point he kind of said, well, what am I supposed to talk about? And so, uh, and basically Rob countered with, well, at least don't mislead people and make them think that they have something that actually is meaningful when they don't. You're essentially leading sheep to the slaughterhouse. So 
Um, I kind of, I kind of do now want to have Ravel on because I would love to just have him tell what he considers to be his side of the story, you know, which is ultimately, and, and it's mostly just, I'd love an understanding of like his mindset as he approaches those things. I, I worked relatively closely with Darren for a little while when I was at ESPN, was on a few different location um, things with him. And, and you know, he's, he's not a bad person. He's, he's just, he's in his own Ravel world, right? And that that's like, kind of like what his job is, is to like drive attention. And when you're in that business of driving attention all the time, you have to make some interesting choices, I think. I think Ravel firmly believes that there's no such thing as bad press. I, I mean, at least I think that, I mean, him appearing on that panel kind of shows as much. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to, it's good to have someone from mainstream media. I mean, I don't even know if they're mainstream media. What was the, who was the most mainstream sports person there? Were there people from ESPN? Were there people from? Not that I know of at least. Interesting that there was no one from ESPN. Well, I mean, I'll say there weren't a lot of media badges comped, I don't think. Right. He would, he didn't comp no. anything, I don't think, right? No, I mean, I mean he I made it clear that he wasn't going to comp anything. Yeah, no, I mean, because he has, Spanky knows so many people in the industry. If if you're comping everybody, I, I think he comped panelists, I assume, but but if you comp everybody else, like... You, How much was it to go? It was, I think the base ticket was like 700 something and then it was another 350 dollars maybe yeah, the for VIP. the last which was that was the vip party at legacy club with the atmosphere models and that was the sports <laughs> betting that was the sports gambling hall of fame induction dinner which kind of it, it was one of these sit down dinners with you know with open bar with like I mean, yeah, it was a well, it was a well done event. It, it was sure. right. Yeah. It, it kind of That's felt great. like you were at a big wedding or something with people giving speeches in a way. It's, I think it's probably pretty interesting too, because I would guess a lot of the people that are at these events have never been at an event of this type, meaning like people that work in on their industries and at companies and things like that, you have events like this a fair amount. Right. So I think that this was novel for an industry of this type, which probably increased the the satisfaction rate uh, because it, it was somewhat novel. Yeah, so. I'm, I still can't believe you weren't there, but I think I'm guessing you will be going next year. I will think about it. It's not. It's nothing against the. It's again. It's just like the use of my time. This is like an event yeah, that's spread is, out amongst so many days. You don't have to show up for the whole thing. I think that's I think that's important. Um, I don't I'm think someone needs to be there the thousand dollars to do it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 even conferences generally, I don't attend them unless there is a like real fundamental business reason for me to be there. I.e., I'm on a panel, I'm moderating something, I'm speaking at something, um, I'm asked to be in a, a host an event or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I try to be very judicious in any kind of uh, event I go to. Otherwise, I'd be going to events all the time. Like I'd be going to conferences and things like that all the time because I'm in a lot of different industries right now. Weren't you like giving a speech to the pipe pipe fitters and steam fitters association? Or I'm I'm making that up. I have no idea who you were giving a speech to on Monday. But on Monday, I was giving uh, and I was doing an event for a cybersecurity company called Abnormal Security, which right. uses. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. They use AI to fight business email compromise and invoice fraud. Well, do you know what business email compromise is? No, but we're a sports betting podcast. We're not a- No, but, li- like, no, but li- you have, it's a, listen, don't bury okay. the lead. This is an analytics thing. Okay. So business email compromises, I get your email address. I mean, sorry, I get access to your email. I send me a note saying, hey, Jeff, we need to pay this invoice for about the process. Can you please wire some money here? And because it's coming from you and because you've done this before, like I just wire it without question. That's called business email compromise. And how do you fight that? You fight that with AI, i.e. you basically start to monitor all normal communication between you and I so that when something looks weird, like you probably would never use certain words or like you like then it flags it and says, oh, this is likely fraud. So this is a, this is so, a, so you have to give this company all your data, let them read all your access emails. to. Yeah. Yeah. But 
it, th- this is a trillion dollar problem. This is like yeah. you, this is a huge problem right now in the world. I think, especially no. with older people, I'm guessing it's a bigger problem. I think in bigger companies, I, I think it's, it's a bigger problem than you think. And with LLMs and ChatGPT, it's going to become even a bigger problem because the, the AI people can do this at scale, right? They can, I mean, yeah. sorry, the fraud people can do this at scale and they can get better and better with their fraud. Anyways, Abnormal's super interesting company. I'm an advisor to them, full disclosure. And then, right. um, go ahead. But my point though, Jeff, was that you are in the sports betting industry. You, we you, we are, as has been pointed out, we are con- we are, but there's no out, but, we are but, content but, creators. But there's very few. Like, like if if you and I did some activation around bet the process at the conference, at we could do bet that. The, I know. Well, maybe we should well, do unabated, it. Do you, do you understand? What a, yeah, yeah. Unabated had I think it was on, uh, I think it was on Tuesday actually Tuesday, but um, before the conference kicked off, we had. We rented out a, a suite in Circa and had this, you know, sort of a premium. You had an unabated party. Yeah, we had an unabated okay. meetup party thing. Yeah, catered. if we if we did if we planned and did something like that, and you know, again, maybe we do this as part of a sponsorship or something like that. I, I I'm happy to do it, but again, like I have to be. It's, this is not about me. Let's not talk about this anymore. Okay, so back to uh, did you have a t- was your tilted moment of the week that I wasn't at I, I wasn't at Bet Bash. No, I think tilted moment of the week has to be losing to Rob Vizola at mini golf. But oh, you lost! I lost. Oh man, I felt very confident too, but I lost. Oh, I just, man. I just what didn't the, have it. The, what was the course like? This is the World Putting League, it brought is. to you by the Pro League Network. In case anyone was wondering, uh, full exactly. disclosure: I'm an advisor to the Pro League Network. This and then, is why I'm busy these days. And then Rob and I broadcast the three professional matches after that which was fun did you enjoy your time again on this trip yeah no it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun uh i will i will say it was a much tougher course in terms of the the slope and the rating you know i don't know we 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 need we need an independent uh body to sort of um, make those ratings and we need handicaps true but uh, it was interesting because rob is always talking about how you know the course is different when it after when it heats up later in the day. You know, it gets the carpet gets faster and all this stuff. And I'm like, we should ask, we should ask Lou Stagner. It was 100 if, if, it, if it's actually people stepping on the grass or if the artificial grass grows in a certain way throughout the course of the day. Maybe uh, I think it's just the temperature, but when it and the humidity, but when it cooled down, like the last match finished at 8:30 or 8:45, and guys were missing putts. Uh, short that were they were not in the first two matches just because it had kind of cooled down a little bit. You could tell things weren't rolling out as much. Did you have any um, Lucas Glover? And oh, oh, I thought you were making a Lucas Glover joke relating hit like hit his, his short sweaty putting. pants or okay. No, well, his I don't know if you've ever seen the clip of him missing like a one and a half foot putt in the it was like he almost missed the ball it was so bad this is from like three or four years ago but i did not have any lucas glover out right now i took some after day two mostly because our friends at the um at the um what's our what's drew's podcast called why am i at drew i have Stoltz's no idea podcast. what you're talking about drew Stoltz, oh, oh, subpar. yeah subpar sorry my, my brain is hurting uh our friends at the subpar podcast we're talking about Glover's ball striking and blah 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 and if he ever learned to putt and like it seems like his new putting like has really changed his game and so I got plus I don't know 900 after day two I thought with him in the lead that would be that'd be good but nice anyways um I don't know if I had a what a tilted moment this week I don't know thanks for asking but I don't know if I had had it maybe I'll think I'll have to think about it um do you have any thoughts on the Ryder Cup who should be in the Ryder Cup? Who would your picks be? My pick wouldn't be Lucas Glover. I think we're, and I'll give you one reason. Right well, now, so can we just quickly go through this because there's only a few spots that are really in question, right? Yeah, Data Golf, by the way, has a cool. They've had they have a, a page on the Ryder Cup with with everybody's Ryder Cup points and how they've done over the last three, six, twelve, and twenty four months, which I think is a nice little way to visualize this. So, from that, we can see. Are we first going to talk about the U.S. 
Yeah. So the U.S. is the. So should I go to Data Golf and go look? Sure. Yeah. This in, this episode is not the brought to right you by corner. Data Golf to set to fact to, <laughs> despite the fact that we are talking about them. I mean, this is if you want to look at Ryder Cup though. I mean, and, and visualize. Whoa, the, Data Golf was, candidates. I haven't been here in a long time. This is tripped out. Go to the top right where it says 2023 Ryder Cup. Wow, this um, is this is really good. Uh, okay, they have Scheffler, Cantlay, Shoffley. Wyndham Clark? Are you sorting by RC points? Oh, no, I'm, I'm on a whole different 2000. Okay. I'm sorting RC points. Got it. Okay. So it's okay, so- Scheffler, Clark, Cantlay, Harmon, Kepka, Homa. Right? Those are the top it, Well, we don't know if Kepka's going to get in because of the live thing. Let's assume he get well. Okay, so we don't. Let's know. just let let's do our U.S. Ryder Cup. It's Scheffler, Clark, Cantlay, Harmon for sure. Those okay, and Homa. I think these are the guys that are in Homa for sure. Those are in the auto qualifying spots, and I. And I'm like, guessing you would take your your boyfriend Shoffley. I would take Shoffley for sure. And would you take Kepka? You're trying to t- win. You're trying to win. I mean, yeah, I would take him probably. Okay. So you take I mean, he's just, he's so, if you get major Kepka, then yes. Okay. So you have, that's seven. There's five spots left. The next five on this list are Spieth, Young, Morikawa, Bradley, Burns. Right. So I, think I assume you would take- interesting. And by the way, you like they have Glover. Well, Glover's in is number 16 there. You can see on the, where they are, where these guys rank in the sort of data golf rankings as well. But um, I think you you take Spieth and Morikawa. I think Fowler's an interesting guy. And I can pull up my ratings overall and see as well. But one thing that's interesting is the fact that we're you, you pick the field like almost a month before the event. And so the people that say we need Glover, Glover's hot right now. You know, he's been performing above his baseline clearly the last... Um, month or two or more i'm not sure what that actually how much how much of that is is like a putting is is there a real like has he really his putting really improved that much and that's one of the biggest differences it has but putting is still something that i know i know it's not stable right you don't know if it's stable over time or predictive or whatever and, you can you, and you it's can very create... it's it's very highly correlated to winning what's interesting is we can create a narrative around it and say since he switched putters he has been a good putter sure that is a fact, which is not, which is not only a narrative. It is a fact right now. It's a fact. Will he continue Siwoo to be a good Kim, putter is the question. By the way, Siwoo Kim switched to, to a long putter earlier on this year and started and was doing putting better with it and then started putting bad again. And is now, I think might've switched back again. So. I, which is, that was I, a narrative. I, that was a narrative. I find, to it find hard my to narrative. Believe, I find it hard to believe that someone who has been a bad putter for this long, and he was an average putter early in his career, but for 10 years, he's been a bad putter. I find it hard to believe that somehow he's going to be a good putter. If he can become a less bad putter, that's, Few, that's fewer what bad he needs. Putter. Fewer bad. A fewer bad putter. Yes, yeah. exactly. So if if we look, let's see. Um, at Glover, his lat, how many, his, his strokes gained putting, in recent events, I mean, I have him as having gained in his last four uh, events an average of 0.65 strokes per round putting relative to his expectation. So, I mean, that's not that crazy. He's also overachieved in every other category his last four events. I, I hope I said four events and not four rounds. How old is he? 43. Oh. It's kind of an odd time to have that big of an improvement. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I mean, it's, it's, I kind of compare it to like a few years ago, the, the momentum for Kisner or Kevin, not to make the Ryder cup guys that sort of got on a a bit of a heater. They got kind of on a heater and especially with their ball strike, like approach play. Although with Glover, it hasn't been as a, well, yeah, his approach play has been very good actually. But, but isn't isn't part of the thing with Kisner that he's just a match play monster? I mean, he that's not why he was being considered. I mean, he was he was being considered because he had played really well lately, and then that was that was something that just buoyed his case. Okay, so, so 
we got I would got, not pick Lucas Glover. We got three more spots, all right? And we've chosen I'm with you. We've chosen Sp- Speed the Morikawa. Our options really are Young, Bradley Burns, Fowler, Thomas, and Glover. I'm guessing you don't like McCarthy cuz no. Okay, so so I mean you got to I go Morikawa be... for sure. I mean in those last three spots, do you want stable or do you want upside potential, right? Because wouldn't Cam Young give you the most upside potential? I kinda, yeah. And where where is it being played this year? It's in, I, I don't know much. I haven't looked at the course yet in Italy. Yeah, it's so played I, in the I, Coliseum, I think. Captain's pick. So you got to consider like, if this is a course that's, let's say it's like a Harbor Town type course or something where it's short and accuracy matters more, then that's not a Cam Young course as much. Then you might want to consider someone like maybe a, a Henley or something like that. Um, Henley should get consideration. Henley's way down here on the data golf. Is he really? Stuff. Yeah. Well, he's the, he's he's like yeah he's buried under. Oh, Paris in the English. in the this is he's down on the Ryder Cup points. Right. But, uh, that's just how many points he's earned with their qualifying criteria. That's not okay. Well, you told um, me to sort on that, so I'm well, I'm I mean, a dog, a Pavlovian okay, dog. Those are the guys. Well, you can sort on like data golf ranking if you want to. I mean, I think you got to take Fowler. You either take Fowler or JT to make everyone happy, like feeling feeling good. And I think you. Take I don't Pat think you Fowler. can take JT. Okay, fine. You take Fowler. I take Henley, Fowler over JT. Fowler, Henley, and Cam Young. No. Fowler, who and Cam Young? Fowler, Henley, and Cam Young. Those are your last three. Fowler, Henley, Cam Young. I would go with Fowler. I would go with I'd go with Homa over Cam Young right now. Well, Homa's on already. Oh, he is. Oh, he's locked in. Yeah, Sorry. I'm. I'm Sorry. saying. Yep, I'm yep, saying yep, we yep. have. I'm saying we have three spots left, and the right. last three I spots realize. I'm giving to Henley, Fowler, and Cam Young. That's my. That's my. I'd give one. Okay, I. I would go actually. I would see. Well, Sam okay. Burns. I, I would say. I would say Finau and Cam Young are like are to me interchangeable there. Well, okay. I'd probably go Finau just because I like him better. But Fino is like kind of out of it though, in terms of actually like earning his spot at this point, right? Right, and I'm guessing they're not going to get. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to look at the the Ryder Cup points and kind of only take guys that are kind of yeah. Close they to can't. Qualifying. I mean, so he's so far out of it that it way. Our, yeah. If they do it that way, then I'm sure you get Cam Young. Um, so who would you take, Rufus? Who who would you take? Okay, so so we have the top. We have we have you have Scheffler, the top nine Clark, with Morikawa included. Harmon, yeah. Kapka, Homa. We'll say those guys are. Let's say they they hold those six spots. Yeah. I take Shoffley. I take Spieth. You already I took Morikawa. Morikawa, that's three. Yep. Cam Young is four. Mm-hmm. Fowler is five. Yeah. And then it comes and let's see the other guys up there, Bradley and Burns on or Henley. Or Henley. I think Henley's too far down for him to really okay. get a get consideration. So Bradley Burns, Finau, you say is still it too comes far down, down to Burns versus. Keegan um, Burns has not been in great form lately. I still, I, I would, I would take, well, you know, I find, I, I actually have Burns and Keegan be kind of in a, uh, within like 0.03 strokes of each other right now on a neutral course. If you're playing this week. So one of those guys. <laughs> All right. Well, way to take a stand yeah. there, Rufus. One I'm, of those guys. I'm t- Yeah. Okay, we can do we can do the we can do the the internationals next week because okay. we've already spent enough time. Should we get us. should we get to some of these questions? Let's get some of the questions. Do you have a favorites that you want to pull out? I messaged you a few that I liked. Let, let's start with the let's let's start with the golf question that I found interesting, and I actually was like I actually did a little homework on it, and and that question was I'm gonna find it exactly. It was the gist of it was how many players. How many scratch golfers would have to play in a single round tournament against Rory where he would not be the favorite against the field? And so I, I pulled up the slope and course rating for Olympia Fields, which was, I believe, a 76.6 and 150. And I created a, I looked and through some information online, I estimated Rory's handicap to be approximately like a plus seven. I could be wrong, but this is all an ordered, orders of magnitude exercise here. 
uh, and then a scratch. And so I converted that, the difference between the plus seven and a zero handicap to a course handicap. And those for this course, uh, you'd expect them to be 10 strokes apart around a number, of course, but um, a, a good place to start. And the Rory's standard deviation per round is about 2.75 strokes. I assume a scratch golfer is going to have a much higher standard deviation. I don't know how much higher. I kind of, I said like 3.3 strokes. And so I then tried, I, I ran a sim of around uh, with a few different numbers of golfers to kind of see what we would get. And for example, I, the highest I actually went to was 150 golfers where Rory would have a, uh, about a 62% chance of winning. So based on that and around hundred golfers, it was in the 73 point, 73% range. So my answer is about, I'm guessing if I continued this and, and narrowed in on the exact number, it would be about 200 golfers necessary, maybe a little bit higher for Rory to actually be a slight underdog to win. I mean, I think, I, I think we're on to, uh, the next version of the match. It's 200 scratch golfers against Rory. <laughs> against Rory. That's you not sign a bad up. idea. It's, I it's, mean, it would be, although I will say where who's teeing off when, then you have weather effects that could come into play. And that was what I was not, I, I was not considering weather effects. I was assuming for this thought exercise that they all were teeing off at the same time. They were not then. Uh, are you assuming, are you assuming growth of artificial grass? No, no artificial grass was considered for this exercise. Okay. I like that one. That was a good one. And yeah, you thanks. did a lot of work for it. I'm proud of you. I know. I thought you'd be um, happy. What about the one from our friend at dog stats, the betting wanna... scandals in college sports, uh, Alabama baseball betting scandal and Iowa ISU betting issues. You both are proponents of robust and fair market for the public. Yet the industry is ripe with influencers and in marketing that not only paint the industry in an unrealistic light, but clearly this is aimed at the young male market prize picks. Them. I, I don't really understand his question beyond like he starts by talking about betting scandals and then moves into the industry being ripe with influencers and marketing. We can just talk about the scandals. I, I don't, I think the regulation of it's clear to me that the, the regulated markets are now unearthing things that never would have been earthed before. Right. Like if you're betting with a book, would have been earthed with <laughs> earth. Yeah. Would never been unearthed. It would have before. remained earthed. They would remain earth. The two Utes. Uh, and then, uh, you, do you, don't you agree? I mean, like, cause there's like KYC and all that kind of stuff. Like some of these things that where people are getting caught are pretty insane, right? They're like, Oh, I was betting through my brother-in-law's account or something like that. And so I don't, I think never some would... of it isn't the KYC as much as it's someone trying to bet a hundred thousand dollars on a college baseball game when they're not, which has received a total of three other bets in the whole country. Right. It's sure. things, this is, this is like bet integrity, so... bet integrity. My, my... I think they're only getting, I think right now they're only detecting the things that just look are so out of whack. And I'm guessing probably some of the things that are look really abnormal are still not being detected. Got it. But th that's, that's my opinion. I think that I, I, I mean, I think one of the big arguments for regulation that, that the States made or New Jersey, I should say made, um, or is that you will be able to, in, in essence, protect the integrity of, of these athletic events more often if you have a regulated market. Yeah, I think that's I, for sure true. I, I, and I think, I think it is true though. Don't you? Theoretically. Yes. Okay. Well, if we deal in theory here, we don't you, deal in reality. That's true. I'm I'm thinking about it because you still have a lot of the bets going offshore though. And I think a, a a sports book in general, an operator has is incentivized to try to find to to try to weed out these types of situations because they get harmed by them. So the question is, is this something that regulators are going to solve? Or is it something that's going to be solved essentially by the free market? 
Got it. And your well, no, what's your answer is, to that? Your, I don't know. Well, I don't know. No, no. I, 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 I think it's a good question, right? Like it's it's one of those rare moments where you really pose a, a thoughtful question. Um, you know, it, it's I think there's one aspect to it, right, which is interesting because essentially what you were what your lead was or why you were somewhat dismissive of some of these betting scandals so far is they're exposed based on stupidity versus like any sort of real sting operation or any real, you know, integrity work, right? So the question becomes like when things are happening that are a bit more um, sophisticated in terms of the scams or whatever is is regulation, a regulated market um, going to catch it or is is you know is is the free market or the operate? I, I don't know. It's a good question. So I think, I mean, I think that let let's just role play you know not the kind that you're used to but let's do other role play and let's let's role play this out and say like if you if we were what are the scams that we would do on a market right now or in sports betting it would be compromising a player or a team right like that's a that's i mean i think that's what that's what they're worried about that's the classic example right somehow compromising a player or team and I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think if you the problem is like you can't assume that there's no offshore market in any of these worlds. So it's not like regulation prevents things. I think regulation does create the opportunity to expose more because of all of the the uh, gambling that will happen in the regulated market versus when there was no regulated market, which but, was no gambling happening there or very little. I'm going to argue that the college, these sort of college baseball betting scandal things don't happen without a U.S. regulated market because there just isn't an opportunity to bet enough on college baseball games. By offering all these esoteric things, I mean, by offering like table tennis and, you know, right. Um, Right, like like the ball, offshore markets they're... aren't dumb enough to like offer exactly. big big markets on college baseball. College baseball and and sort of in prop bets where where there's more opportunity for someone to um get to... down in a bunch of places. Well, and right, and also, but but if someone was to be compromised, they could be compromised in a way that doesn't involve them losing a match. I remember someone telling me, I think. Was this this was during our our golf round, right, Jeff? So uh, the caddy, I think it was, who had who said that he had a yeah, friend who tennis. played tennis and yeah. professionally and at some sort of professional level, and he was offered uh, he was offered money to lose the first set six six love to someone who was better than him, and he he thought about it and he said no. Um, he plays this match. He loses the first set. He wins the first set six love, um, and then loses the next two sets six love. Like so, obviously they offered the same deal to this other guy who took it. You know, right? What so um... I, I think that there's, I, my yeah, I do. I do think in a way that the having the regulation actually creates more opportunities for um, for events to be compromised. And speaking of, uh, we could bring things full circle to that Haralabob Matthew Holt exchange at Sloan in the panel you moderated. Matthew Holt owns a company called U.S. Integrity, which Richard shoots. And I've kind of poo-pooed what you know some of it because I'm like, what what can you actually do? And, but Richard Shoots wrote an article about U.S. Integrity recently and mentioned that one thing that they're doing is in essence creating like an anonymous tip line to try to 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 get information because. And you're most of the time with the stuff that's not really, really obvious here. I think there, there's not a lot you can do without actually some like actual evidence. Yeah. I mean, the, the integrity business, it's interesting because it's one of those businesses that I think regulators are going to make a business meaning like you need to have integrity services, like yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I so think it is required. It's like and... a third party thing. And so, um, you know, Rob Pythian, I don't know if you know him, but he was the one that kind of started that with Matt Holt. And it was kind of like a smart move to get ahead of the game. Um, 
do you want to uh that that other question that they asked about golf and like is there something in golf because you highlighted and then i do think it's an interesting question i'd like like to know your answer which is give us some aspect of golf slash sports modeling that you fully believe and have big confidence in now that you really didn't believe a decade ago and what was the key moment that helped you transition i think for a long time i was working on building models that got things right very generally and i still am and i think now i'm working more on the exceptions in essence like i believe more now that in i don't want to say qualitative stuff but but you believe in the ability to try to quantify qualitative stuff that you overall used to kind of say like yeah. not poo poo but you basically were like well if 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 you if that's a factor, then you can find it in the okay. numbers and blah, blah, blah. Now you're actually trying to find it in the numbers. Yeah. And I think, I think a large reason for that is because markets are a lot more efficient. If I'll give an example, going back to baseball betting, like I did my senior thesis on psychological inefficiencies in the baseball betting market. And basically it, it validated like dips theory, defense, independent pitching statistics that basically said a, uh, you know, pitcher can control the strikeout rate, walk rate, home run rate, but they have very little control over bat, um, batting average and balls in play. And basically the market was being, um, at least from the period I studied it, like 2000 to 2008, it was overvaluing batting average and balls in play for pitchers. It was saying that that was something they could control. So like anybody who was interested in sabermetrics, you know, knew that don't look at batting average and balls in play. As we've gotten more data though, we've like you know we've learned more that things that pitchers do have control over um within that affect batting average on uh, uh, batting average on balls in play and the market has gotten much more efficient and now i think if you were betting essentially based on the saber metrics of the time in 2008 um you would be not a winning baseball better and and so now it's in essence to win you need to kind of find those exceptions Find the guys that look like they're find the guys that don't look like they're going to be very good based on like the strikeouts and walks, but have something they're doing that is repeatable um, where you expect them to continue to overachieve at least relative to those metrics. So Wade Miley, Wade Miley, miles for smiles. Look at, look at Wade Miley's numbers this year. And he's constantly a huge. Wait, is Wade Miley still in baseball? Is this a joke? No, go look at his numbers this year. They're good. Wait, I assumed he was out of baseball. Wasn't he like? I remember the Orioles traded for him in like 2017. No, he's still around. He's got to be like 39 by now. 36. Wow, he's pitching in Major League Baseball, and he's pitching and guess, well. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a little surprised. I mean, a but lot look at how good his numbers are. He's. He's a. Uh, he's plus 200 tonight against Kershaw. Right. Okay. So his FIP, which is again, based on um, strikeouts, walks, home runs allowed is 4.41. His actual ERA is 2.9. Now, is he someone that has been doing something? I mean, his career FIP is 4.11 and career ERA is 4.07. So he hasn't for his career overachieved. Um, Is there something he's doing this year in your opinion, or is he just getting lucky? Uh, Because you brought him up as an example. I think I think we believe he's doing something this year. I'll leave There's it at that. His hard it's hard hit rate. Is it just leave it at that, Rufus? Okay. I don't tell okay. you you don't tell all your golf secrets. Fair enough. Um, what is your favorite way to eat potatoes? I'm using a fork or my hand. What about you? I think they mean I know. What is the crunch fries versus it's a really good question. Potato chips, baked potato, mashed potato. I think it's like a fry French fry of, and and I won't even describe the, and we've had this conversation before, but I've, I've kind of like evolved my thinking. My priors have somewhat changed where there are a bunch of different styles of fries that I like, and any of them executed really well are just great. And it's hard for me to pick which one. And I don't think that I, as much as I love tater tots, I don't think they're the top. They're like the, they're the, they don't have upside. They don't have as high a ceiling. Yeah. You can't make when them they're crisp, as they're amazing great. as you can make some sort of like 
Yeah, they, they're like potato, they've got a, they've got low smash they've got low they've got low they've got uh they've got a low floor though too. I mean a high floor. High floor. High floor, relatively low ceiling. Um, I would agree that it's going to be very execution dependent. How do you feel about French fries on a pizza? I've never had French fries on a pizza, but I will say I'm Terrible I, I believe French fries on a sandwich are great. So I don't know why they gonna wouldn't say, be good on a pizza. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no on either. I think anything that makes a French fry ever, become like more soggy is is not something I want. Yes, I've had French fries like, on a sandwich. Like that's a Pittsburgh like, thing it's to big do. Big in like France, like the whole like donor kebab Pitt, stuff. Too. Pittsburgh and France is Pittsburgh the France of the U.S. Is Maybe. Paris the Pitts is Pittsburgh the Paris of the U.S. Pittsburgh has a lot of bridges. Um, that's more. Is there like anything else? Is there the any US more thing. questions you want? We got a lot of questions. Is there any anything yeah. more that you want to? Talk about Let's, uh, should we keep going on these questions? Yeah, I'm, I think those are the ones you sent me. I'm like scrolling yeah. through the ones right now. Um, okay, sports betting. How about the sports betting against blackjack debate in terms of oh, okay, easier? Yeah. And someone says, uh, Chris Depp's Porzingis fan club says, which is easier to make both 300,000 a year and, and then also 2 million a year. I think, Jeff, you're probably the most qualified person maybe on this planet to answer that question. I, I think Ellie, who put together a pretty great soliloquy on this, and I think there are other people that are are um, are in great position to do this. Um, my, my initial reaction when I heard this question was, duh, blackjack, and that's easier. And the reason is because I think about blackjack as very structured learning, meaning like there's a very concise playbook to learn even in Elihu's answer, and he has like a long uh, text stream on this, there's a lot of different like nuance to the to the sports betting side. I don't think any of it is incredibly hard work or incredibly intellectual is his point, whereas everything that is uh, blackjack related is either hard work or somewhat intellectual. I often tell people when I give these speeches that um, I could teach anyone how to count cards. It's just in, in like an hour, it's just a matter of them actually taking that learning and practicing it. And the practice takes a long time and then being able to execute it and understanding bankroll management. Um, so what were the two levels thresholds that they were saying to make one was 300,000 a year and, and the other is 2 million a year. I think it's almost impossible to make 2 million a year in blackjack these days, if you're playing alone, like it's just, there's just not enough places to play. You're going to get burnt out. Like, and maybe I'm an idiot and maybe I just don't know of a lot of these other advantage systems that you can try to get from blackjack and hole carding and all that kind of stuff from, but from what I know of, you know, playing the shoe game, looking for games like that, you can do non-random shuffling or cuts or things like that. 2 million on your own is pretty hard in sports betting. I think, 2 million is possible, right? If you have the right outs and things like that, 300K, I'd probably say blackjack. So, um, you think it's anyways, a, that's my answer. blackjack alone? I can you could you make 300K in blackjack? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you would it'd be a grind, you'd be working a ton, but I think you could probably do it. I mean, you'd have to spread yourself out amongst a bunch of locations. And I mean, like, how would many do, locations Jeff, could you do that based just on card counting, or would you need to have be doing shuffle tracking, whole carding, other things like that? Uh, okay. So let's think. If you're doing shoe game, you're probably making a unit per hour, roughly. Is is what I would guess from a math perspective. This um, is just counting. Just counting. About. Yeah. Okay. So let's say your unit comfortably without getting burnt out at a lot of places is $500 maybe that's even like if you're grinding so what is that how much what's 300,000 divided by 500 that's 60,000 no 6,000 6,000 right Rufus help me with math 6,000 yes 6,000 because that's I was told there'd be no math Okay. 6,000. So that's 6,000 hours. How many days is 6,000? How, how many days is 6,000 hours? I got to get the calculator. 24 hours right in a day. This is strong. How many days? 250 days. It's 
pretty damn hard because <laughs> yeah. that's that's playing nonstop for 250 days. Um, and in even 500, I mean, you could probably do make a little bit more than that. I mean, I think the problem is just getting burnout and blackjack and figuring out. I mean, I guess you could like use beards, like you could find people that are high rollers naturally and you could signal them and all that. But you, you know, like you would get burnout. Like there's no, there's no uh, pinnacle or Chris of blackjack. Meaning like there's no casino that just like casts a blind eye and says, yes, you, as long as you play within these reasonable limits, we'll let you card count. The minute they know you're a card counter, you're out of there. So that's the difference. Um, you want to do a couple more? Yeah, let's do that. What you got? Um, who do you think is pod, the bet pod ratings person? Apparently Luke from Spanky's operation had to defend himself um, and say he wasn't. And I'm, I'm guessing he was accused because Be Better Betters has gotten 10 out of 10 on both of the podcasts that have been reviewed, which I think they're were both Haralabob very good. And, I mean, I, I went back and listened to the Haralabob one and I, I listened to the the one with the woman from Pinnacle and, and um, they're both really good. I mean, I, I, I actually, um, I really enjoy Spanky's style. And then I enjoyed his, I enjoy his first question after I've asked it, after I've heard him ask it a couple of times, like the first time I heard him ask it, I was like, Oh, that's kind of a odd question. But the whole idea of like, what was it like growing up? I love that. It's a great question as a, as a starter. So I, I commend him for that. Um, well, I think we're all products of our experiences and our upbringings to some extent. I mean, I have to give a shout out to the Risk of Ruin podcast with with Reader, though. Like John Reader, that is just fantastic. It's a great podcast for any of you guys that have never listened to it. It has just jewels. And the fact that he is not a professional content producer, he's just a dude that like took the song because he thought it was interesting during COVID is is amazing. And I I highly recommend it's all about advantage players. There's a lot of parallels between that podcast and this one, except for that one's better. Um, So you should go listen to that one. Bet BPR bet pod ratings. Go listen to, go review a, a risk of ruin podcast. That's, I yeah, I I think that's a great suggestion. Um, Diggs asked, "What is your greatest regret in life, and why is it not going to bet bash three? Diggs is like the See best you. troll. He's such a troll. What's that? He asked you this. He asked me that question. He also asked about atmosphere models. Um. Any anything else? I don't think so. I mean, I think we've we're an hour in almost, aren't we? So we are. Uh, you want to do you want to do a quick some quick picks on on the golf coming up? Do you have anything there? Um, you know, it's it's a lot harder with a fifty person field with no cut, and the fact that every single person played last week and played on the same course last week. I think that makes it um, it, it it's a lot harder for, to find edges because of that but i can see if i can find someone i like maybe um if you can get Zan- pinnacle is dealing 20 to 1 on xander so i would take that 20 to 1 on xander mm-hmm. love it online also has 55 to 1 on sung jay i would take that but it's you know slim pickings this week um I got one for you. The last one. This is good. Is there a type of bet not currently offered you would like to see? Something like an exacta for golf. If Rom is twelve to one and Hatton twenty to one, you can bet a Rom Hatton exacta at two hundred fifty-one to one, or a Hatton Rom exacta at two hundred seventy-three. Would be more limited for round four, but still be fun. I mean, that's something think, like DraftKings does offer, by the way. Yeah, but I'm sure that the hold is terrible yeah or the, and it's the remember it's one-way markets yeah it doesn't so we, we don't we don't we don't want to brainstorm more ways for sports books to uh rape their customers so instead what we would think about are what are ways that for you you're always thinking about things that you can get an edge in right that what about like a pick your own matchup you can pick this player and this other yeah. player say i want to and even maybe even pick that seems a, like a, a no-brainer right say like i want to pick this guy to beat this other guy by two and a half strokes so you can create your you can create a lottery type ticket if you want yeah 
I'm thinking about like, like something from outside of the golf world, like a betting product that I'd like to see. I have one, but I don't want to talk about it because it's proprietary again, just like a lot of things in my patent life right pending. Now. It's patent pending TM. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good one. I'll have to think about it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you guys all again next week where we will be back with the guest and um, hopefully you'll enjoy him. The guest who we already have set up and this is not just a theoretical yeah, guest. We're, this is an we're, actual we're, guest. We're, yeah, we're, actually, we're actually prepared. We're a very prepared podcast. So thank you guys all. Talk to you guys all again next week. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppet diesel, but the engine's running off a leaded. None of it's organic. It all sounds synthetic. That's why I fucks with Jeff Ma and his dog Rufus. No locks of the year. They just tell you what their truth is. Maybe make your pockets fatter as the pokies get thinner. Give the information turn and losing betters into winners. Yeah. Sturm Herm, Reppin' Ruckers, Jeff Ma, Rufus Peabody, crunching all the numbers, Massey Peabody rankings, we're looking for the edge, analytically driven, crunching all the numbers.